Here's an interesting story. Leaving reviews online, good or bad, when dealing with a business has become really the most common way that almost everyone provides feedback. Those reviews can have a huge impact on a business, both good and bad, uh, as prospective customers will read them for guidance. But what happens when a bad review or a series of bad reviews crosses the line? Uh, A BC judge has ordered a disgruntled customer who defamed a company in his reviews on Google and Yelp to pay $90,000 in damages. I won't go into all the details. There'd been a big fight. Anyway, he'd posted complaints that the company was fraudulent and deceitful. The judge found that he had acted with malice when he posted those reviews. So what should this case be a reminder of? What should it teach us? And when do you cross the line? How to avoid it? Joining me now with more on this is Karen Eltis. She's a professor in the Faculty of Law at the University of Ottawa and an internet lawyer. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. So these are all cautionary tales, I suspect, about what exactly it is we're doing when we're leaving a review of something in what is technically a public space. Uh, You're publishing it, right, to some extent? Indeed, Uh, although internet spaces are far more fluid and far more instantaneous than any previous medium we've encountered. So what are some of the, I mean, when can we get into trouble? Because we know that lots of people leave lots of different kinds of reviews on places like Yelp and Google, and people take those reviews quite seriously, so they can have a real impact on the company in question. But most of the time, they're relatively harmless, I imagine. Yeah, it's it's interesting uh, because the, and I, I'm going to focus on the internet in particular rather than on the technical rules, but essentially the, the beauty of the internet was that it was this marketplace where people could uh, express themselves um, and, and kind of uh, say what they needed to say, despite their powerlessness. There's an interesting uh, Supreme Court of Canada case on, on the similar point of the small consumer kind of expressing himself um, by way of a sign before the internet was was commonplace and saying, right. you know, I'm dissatisfied with this merchant. And the Supreme Court said freedom of expression uh, also means this ability to positively express your opinions when you feel powerless. And therefore, um, it, the case involved, you know, municipal rule that didn't allow people to set up signs. But the Supreme Court of Canada said the only way to express yourself is to set up a sign. Well, in the digital age, we don't have to uh, set up signs. We can kind of vent. Uh, but as you've said, sometimes that venting uh, goes too far. Um, and we see that in other areas where the internet can become uh, noxious and problematic, uh, such as uh, hate speech and intimidation. So so yes, it's a place where, where we can vent, but we have to be uh, mindful of, uh, of others when we do so. Yes, mindful is not always a word that comes to mind when it comes to uh, <laughs> online anger. Uh, now, of course, we see lots of reviews of companies like Air Canada this summer, where obviously customers are angry, they leave things that are not exactly pleasant. But where does the line exist between um, crit- criticizing something and defaming something? Yeah, so it's really interesting because the law of defamation is particularly complex. Courts are trying to strike a balance uh, between, on the one hand, people's ability to express themselves and to express an opinion. Um, And on the other hand, so it's really a balance of competing interests. On the other hand, if if we need to, to, as I've said previously, the mindfulness is of others' reputation. So where is that balance? And that is a matter of context, and that is a factual matter. Um, But it becomes 
far more complex in the internet age where uh, data is global, things can be reposted everywhere. So courts are sort of recalibrating where that balance is, where that line is. So it's very difficult, right, to say exactly here is where you've crossed the threshold. Uh, while I, what I will say is that in uh, a jurisdiction like Quebec, things are far more malleable. So we look at what is reasonable and what is not. Um, whereas in common law jurisdictions, such as uh, British Columbia, there is tremendous emphasis on truth uh, and there is a tremendous emphasis on opinion. So the defense uh, of, of, well, this is actually true. Um, and so it's not defamation. It's not something that unreasonably lowers uh, the esteem of somebody else or for another company. Is it something that's done for good reason? Am I saying, in my opinion, the service was poor or the service is poor, setting it out as fact? So there is, unfortunately or fortunately, because when we talk about rights and freedoms and balancing, there's no easy answer. And then right. compound that with the digital age, and it's even more uh, nebulous. Does the does the idea of of deliberately trying to harm a company come in this to come into this as well? Because that can also seem like a pretty gray area. Because if you leave a negative review for a restaurant, uh, clearly you're harming the business in some way because people will read it and think, well, you know, maybe I won't go there. Uh, but there must be a line there as well between the kind of harm that's done and how deliberate it is. Certainly. So, so the bad faith or the intent in in lowering uh, esteem uh, is is a factor. And and again, you know, there are all these complex tests. Uh, but that is is certainly something that in common law jurisdictions that are very pigeonholed will look at in particular. And even in civil law, and this is a bit of a fun fact. So in Quebec, it's possible for you to say something that. Uh, is perfectly true, uh, but the court will still find that it's unreasonable to have said it because you've done so in a manner that was expressly aimed simply at lowering the esteem of another. Um, so definitely having that context of where you're saying something um, and you're doing so with the express purpose uh, of lowering uh, the esteem, you're doing it in a malicious manner, uh, certainly when you're expressing an opinion uh, rather than the truth in a common law jurisdiction, that will be uh, particularly problematic. Uh, of course, Quebec has the civil code. The rest of the country operates mostly under under common law, uh, if listeners would like to know. And so you, I suppose you have to be particular, particularly careful when uh, leaving reviews in Quebec to some extent. But just broad, broadly, what sort of advice do you give to people then when they're sitting down to, to hammer out that they've had a bad experience with a company, for instance? Um, they believe that in their own mind, they're right, that the truth is on their side. And they sit down to hammer out a really nasty review about something. Where is the law? I mean, we spoke about this earlier, but what should you be leery of? Uh, so so just a, a quick word, since, since I, I did mention Quebec, and the reason that I mentioned is because I think that that sort of flexible standard, which is did what I say, is what I said reasonable, um, is a good uh, way to look at things. And in fact, you don't need to be more or less careful in Quebec. It's just the way that things are approached where it's less important if what you said is true, but rather the context. So I would say uh, what's important is is something that seems very simple, which is common sense. Um, and to put it in the words of one Canadian court, contextual reasonableness, right? Uh, it, that That's really important uh, for people kind of uh, thinking was was what I've said just as as a uh, not not as a matter of, of advice at all, but just as a matter of common sense. Uh, courts have looked at things like contextual reasonableness uh, is uh, something that 
I have said uh, a reasonable communication? Is it merely uh, put out as an opinion? And this becomes tough because in the internet, this is where it's really, really tough to guide one's conduct because uh, online, um, you express things very succinctly, very quickly, very spontaneously. So normally what people used to say in the past, well, preface it in short that it is merely an expression of opinion. Um, and so that uh, limits the potential damage, uh, right? But the internet, the digital age is not is not uh, as, as uh, rigid. Um, and so we're in this changing technological and societal landscape. So we aim to be to be contextually uh, reasonable um, is is I think uh, uh, a, a something that courts have have looked at uh, more recently. Because of course people have these devices at their hands, right? You can leave the review as you're steaming off angry at something. Yeah. You can well, immediately I mean, log on and leave a very nasty review about something. Um, you know, I mean, I suppose there are remedies too. I mean, it doesn't have to go as far as a defamation suit and so on. Uh, there are probably things you can do afterwards if you feel like you've been, if you're approached or you feel like maybe you've said gone a little bit too far. Obviously, if you you can you can take things back online, even though it's hard, I would imagine. No, so this is exactly you put your finger on it. So it's really an era of infinite memory uh, to a certain extent. So um, I, I, as as one uh, famous quote goes, words once spoken can never be recalled. And this right, was indeed. before the digital age. So I think that's when we think about you know, contextual reasonableness of expression, that's something to be mindful of, how difficult it is not only to remove something, but to put it in context, right? Because on the internet, I think this is key uh, for rethinking sort of what's reasonable and what's not. On the internet, things can easily be taken out of context. So one thing that courts have looked at more generally in, in cases like AV versus Bragg is introducing friction. So you've said, you know, someone's mad and they rage on on the internet. Probably not a good idea, right? Introducing friction means slowing down. So the digital age is very instantaneous. So when one uh, reflects, and this has been true for, for courts themselves, uh, who used to post uh, decisions online automatically, and now uh, they they have sort of uh, uh, taken a, a step back, realizing that that information that courts have post in goodwill, right? Even courts themselves used to post court documents and people used to take those documents and use them for nefarious purposes. So courts said, wait a second, uh, maybe we should take a step back Right. Because these things not only are there forever. Um, so someone, for instance, who sued their employer uh, or sued um, or sued their landlord and won. Um, nonetheless, that that case is on there. So that person may never be able to find another apartment. Uh, so court said, wait a second, maybe we should wait before posting things online. So courts gave that advice to themselves. Um, so slow then, down, uh, <laughs> slow down, slow it's, down yeah, in it's... instances. So that's that's an interesting uh, perspective um, that I think I think uh, can't uh, do any any harm given what you've said, which is which is indeed this potential not only for infinite memory, right? That'll be there forever, but that'll be circulated circulated and decontextualized, which makes things like the law looks at truth, right? And normally in defamation, common law provinces, truth is really important, whether the, the words were, were true or, or 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 not. And 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 on the internet, this mode of communication kind of makes that more difficult. So it makes these guiding posts more difficult, which is why uh, friction uh, is, is helpful. Karen Eltis is our guest this half hour. She's a professor in the Faculty of Law at the University of Ottawa and an internet lawyer. Uh, we're talking about defamation when it comes to reviews of businesses or defaming somebody online and how it can be done, how you can avoid it. One of the things I, I realized, that then this crosses the spectrum when it comes to content online that people find objectionable, or at least that targets them, it's very hard to get rid of it. You mentioned it spreads around the world very quickly. It's also very hard to take down, is it not? 
Yes, indeed. Uh, so, so of course, courts are struggling with the idea that law has traditionally been associated with borders. And the internet, as we know, as we're sitting in separate jurisdictions right now, um, crosses uh, borders, the law, uh, the the internet, and, and, and I say the internet very general, di digital mediums are uh, borderless, uh, whereas the law was made for specific uh, territories, right? Uh, be it provinces or countries, and that, uh, puts us in a position where we need to rethink a lot of these matters uh, since courts are struggling with that themselves, since lawmakers, as we know, are struggling uh, with that themselves. We know that because there have been uh, reforms and attempts at reforms everywhere around the world uh, because of this sort of fourth industrial revolution or our new reality, um, which is our digital reality is very difficult, different from our brick and mortar reality uh, where uh, uh, our law on point developed. Um, and so not only is it difficult when something is up to take it down? Uh, it's uh, certainly difficult uh, and onerous uh, for someone for whom this expression uh, is potentially defamatory uh, to uh, 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 palliate the damage, right? To manage the damage in the meantime. And it's something that our, our former uh, Chief Justice uh, Beverly McLaughlin uh, referred to as helplessness that people feel because we have this really rich body of law and, and we have justice for the brick and mortar world. But online, uh, there are a lot of struggles and the example of trying to take thing, something down, right? Whether it's something that you put up yourself in, in some cases because it's gotten out of hand and the expression, the example that I mentioned previously is courts themselves putting out right. documents and then them being misused and courts themselves not being able to recall them because even if they themselves redact, the document is floating, you know, in, in so many jurisdictions. Uh, so courts themselves were having trouble, all the more so for, you know, an individual or a business who has been uh, has been defamed. So there's this helplessness that is, is doing what the New York Times has called sort of a craving for internet justice because people are, are kind of trying to figure out and we're in the process of figuring this out. Um, how to apply these wonderful rules that we've devised for the brick and mortar world that are out there that are still helpful, but how to enforce them in practice in this really porous, borderless, and instantaneous medium. So these are things to keep in mind. Uh, uh, you know, uh, when when uh, one is 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 reflecting on this, and 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 the flip side is a balance uh, uh, needs and is being found, uh, although uh, somewhat slowly, which is why we do need friction and mindfulness uh, between this very important what our court has called the lifeblood of democracy, uh, the freedom of expression, right, the importance of uh, which the internet has has enhanced to a certain degree, and uh, the right to protection of reputation and dignity, which as we've seen, and 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 freedom of expression on the other hand, because if you're being defamed, you're being chilled, right? Uh, right. Especially as an individual, potentially as a as a vulnerable group, violence can be directed at you. Uh, certainly, you know, loss of loss of uh, financial uh, 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 loss of business, um, and so the consequences are tremendous. And I think the difference, and this is what we need to keep in mind, is how fast this can happen, how far it can go around the world. So you may have, you know, very generally an injunction in one jurisdiction by the time it, by the time uh, uh, you've secured it, uh, the uh, words are halfway around the world. So there are all these nuances that are important um, and that, that make these things far more thorny uh, and less clear uh, in the digital age. So the principles are there, but their application uh, kind of need to need needs to be refined uh, for us to get the predictability that I sense that we're all looking for. Right. Karen Eltis, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.